So here's what we're doing with this sermon series, okay? Jesus spoke in parables, okay? Parables were short stories, okay? Stories taken from everyday life that were used to illustrate spiritual ideas. He was trying to teach them about God, about God's kingdom, about his will for their lives by telling them these stories. And that's what we're going to be doing with this vinyl sermon series. We're going to be looking at songs and artists who created them as familiar and unfamiliar stories in our culture. And just see if we can't glean some spiritual truth from them. Now, our hope is that we might, in a greater way, live and love like Jesus. And at the very least, when you hear these songs in the movies or on the radio, perhaps you'll think back to this series and maybe remember something that God may have spoken to you. Now, quick disclaimer, okay? I wanna say this from the get-go. Just because we're highlighting a certain artist and their music doesn't mean we're endorsing every aspect of their life, everything that they stand for, or everything that they say, okay? We don't need any phone calls or complaints. Relax, we're just having some fun connecting some biblical truth with pop culture. And today, we're looking at Phil Collins. I grew up with Phil Collins, okay? I remember driving to baseball tournaments in Kingsburg, jamming to his Serious Hits live album, okay? I remember whenever being dumped by a girl in junior high school, I would play against all odds and I would cry all the way through it, okay? So take a look at me now. There's just an empty space. There's nothing left here to remind me, just the memory of your face. And then I kind of go to a mirror, like, and just start crying, okay? And you coming back to me is against all odds, and that's what I've got to face. Oh, it's so good. Then that famous drum fill, bump, 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 dun, 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 okay? Phil was famous for drum fills, okay? He was a drummer and a singer. And I don't think that I'm exaggerating by saying that perhaps the greatest drumming moment in music history is found in his song, In the Air Tonight. It happens at the three minute and 39 second mark. Jake previewed it in our video announcements, right? Oh, it's just, just feel it, okay? It's so powerful. The moment has found its way in pop culture and film. Check this out. Mike Tyson? This is my favorite part coming up right now. It's iconic, okay? Phil Collins has won eight Grammy Awards, two Golden Globe Awards, an Academy Award, and a Disney Legend Award. He has sold over 250 million records and is one of three music legends to sell over 100 million as a member of a band and over 100 million as a solo artist. And the other two, Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney. But Phil Collins was different, okay? He was doing his solo career all the while still being the main lead singer of Genesis, okay? Uh, from 1984 to 1987, there may not have been a busier time in music entertainment history, and Phil Collins seemed to be a part of it all, okay? He was everywhere. He released and created two solo albums, one Genesis album. All three of those had multiple number one hits. He had three stadium tours. He played drums, sang, and produced one of Eric Clapton's albums. He played at Live Aid in London, and then after performing in London, flew to Philadelphia to perform as a member of Led Zeppelin. Okay? He made multiple music videos, won awards for some of his music videos, guest starred on Miami Vice, 
played a lead role in a motion picture. Phil was everywhere. He kept releasing music throughout the 1990s and the 2000s, including the soundtracks to Disney's Tarzan and Brown Bear. He was married three times and each ended in divorce. See, he tended to choose career over family. He had such a hard time of saying no to things. He was like, these are once in a lifetime opportunities. I can't say no to them, but he could have said no to them. His songs are born from the pain he himself went through and endured in his personal life. He always said that he writes from the heart first and from the head second. Love him or hate him, Phil Collins is one of the most successful musicians of all time. And each week throughout this sermon series, it's going to be something different, okay? We're going to take it from a different angle. You never know what you're going to get. And today we're going to look at three songs, two solo songs, and one from his time in Genesis. And we're just going to see what we might glean from them, okay? So let's start with the most famous in the air tonight, okay? Did you know that there was an urban legend about this song? The lyrics go, well, if you told me you were drowning, I would not lend a hand. Well, I was there and I saw what you did. I saw it with my own two eyes, okay? There was a, an urban legend about this in the 1980s and beyond. Now, there are variations of it, but in general, the urban legend goes something like this. One night, Collins was walking and he witnessed a man who had failed to save a drowning victim. Collins himself was too far away to help. Then Phil eventually hires a private investigator to find out who the man was, sends him tickets to his concert, and then shines a spotlight on him as he sings in the air tonight. Have you heard this legend? Eminem mentions it in his song, Stan. Uh, he says, you know the song by Phil Collins in the air of the night uh, about the guy who could have saved the other guy from drowning but didn't. Phil saw it all and then at a show he found him. That's kind of how this is. You could have rescued me from drowning. And here's Phil Collins addressing these rumors on The Tonight Show in 2016. But you, is this true that this is what happened? This is what I heard. You were, you were on, you were outside at night and there was a you saw somebody, saw someone drowning no. and he didn't, yeah, and he let him uh, <laughs> drown. He let him drown and you go, oh, yeah. and you watch the man basically murder somebody. And then, so instead of calling the authorities, you invited the man, the stranger, to your concert. It and then... You shone a light on him, you yeah. showed, yes, you shone a light on him. And you sang in the air tonight and you go, I know what you did, buddy. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. That is the best story I've ever heard of. I know. Unfortunately, none of it's true. <laughs> um, <laughs> what? You know... Remember the rumor about Pop Rocks and Pepsi in the 1980s, okay? The kid who, who ate six bags of Pop Rocks at a party, uh, John Gilchrist, right? The actor who played Little Mikey in the television commercials for Life Cereal. He ate six bags of Pop Rocks, drank a six pack of Pepsi, and the two substances combined in his stomach exploded killing him horribly. And that's why Pop Rocks was actually taken off the market in the early 1980s. Uh, the truth is, John Gilchrist never exploded, okay? Uh, it was a rumor, gossip, urban legend. Pop Rocks plus soda only produces a burp. But the makers of Pop Rocks had to work hard to squelch the rumor in even writing letters to school principals throughout the United States. 
And at our 10 a.m. service live and in person, I'll actually be drinking um, a Pepsi and some Pop Rocks just to show that all it produces is a belch, okay? Now, these are somewhat silly examples, but the Bible actually says quite a bit about the harm of gossip, about using our words. Proverbs 26 says this, without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. It's like that. We all have the ability to extinguish the flame, but our words often stoke the fire instead. There simply isn't anything good about gossip. And gossip is very dangerous because it doesn't feel wrong. There are at least four different types of gossip. There's chit-chat, okay? This is the type of gossip where you say, did you hear that the Simmons are moving? And it's often basic information without a harmful intent, and it often doesn't produce harmful results, okay? That's the lowest form. Then there's prying, okay? It goes something like this. You know someone who's going through a rough patch in their marriage, and so you ask their close friend, hey, so how's Sean and Catherine doing, okay? Trying to find out what's next. Then there's the prayer request, okay? Christians are famous for this one. This is where you pretend that you're sharing something so that the other people can pray for them, but really you just want to tell them. And it's often preceded by phrases like, bless her heart, as in, bless her heart, but Maribeth has put on a little extra weight and we just need to pray for her, okay? I don't know why I came from the cell. Finally, there's the juice, okay? The juice is rare, okay? You hear something, it's so juicy that you immediately have to call your BFF and tell them what you just heard, okay? And the juice is usually preceded by phrases like, OMG, you're never going to believe this. <laughs> How many of you have been juicing this week, okay? There is a great Christian virtue in simply holding your tongue. A Jewish newspaper once described gossip as the most deadly bug because it has neither legs nor wings. It is composed entirely of tails and most of them have stings. There is an ancient fable about a woman in an Indian village who maliciously gossiped about another lady and her family in the village. One day she found out that she was wrong about this lady and her family and she had a change of heart. So she went to the village's wise man it asked how she could take back all of the wrong that she had done. The wise man told her to go home and kill her chickens and pluck the feathers, put them into a bag. And after this, she was to go back and see the wise man again. But on her way back, she was to scatter all the feathers that she had plucked from the chicken. And the lady did as she was told. When she finally got back, the wise man then said to her, now go back and pick up all of the feathers that you have scattered. The woman was astonished at such a command, and she said, by now the wind has carried the feathers throughout the village and beyond. It would be impossible to do that. The wise man then told her, and so it is with your careless words. They are like feathers scattered in the wind. You cannot retrieve them. Watch your words. What if we as Christians only said things that we knew to be true or that were uplifting? There are so many lies in our world and in our culture. What if instead of regurgitating those, we share more of what we know and less of what we think? Let's be people who are quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. James 1.19, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Now, let's look at a less popular song. 
Okay, this is by the band Genesis. Jesus, he knows me. Now, the song might suggest that this is in line with the religious right movement from the 1980s, um, which is in fact wrong, right? It is the direct opposite of this. It's not an endorsement of mainstream evangelicalism of the 1980s. Rather, it is a critique of it, okay? Uh, this song is a lampoon on the televangelists that were huge in the 1980s. Many of the TV preachers had scandals and moral failures that were littered with financial scandals as well, all the while soliciting millions of dollars in donations in Jesus' name from their TV fan base. In the video, Phil Collins is a televangelist who lives like a millionaire thanks to the donations um, of his followers. He tries his viewers to, to, to raise $18 million in one weekend. Now, it's a satire. Some might consider something like this video and this song to be anti-Christian, that it goes against the Christian tradition, when in fact, this is very much in line with the Christian tradition. Jesus was always about getting rid of the religious people who made it about money at the expense of people. Matthew chapter 21, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers or a den of thieves. A den of thieves. This was Jesus' description of the temple establishment in his own day. Now, I used to think that Jesus quoted Jeremiah calling the Jerusalem temple a den of robbers, that he was upset with the institution's financial practices and charging too much for their services and the like. But the meaning runs deeper than that. A den of robbers is not a place where thieves go to rob people, but where they go to hide out after they have done the robbing. You see, the religious system of Israel, like any religious system today, was repeatedly used as a spiritual hideout for those with a guilty conscience. Rather than change how they lived, the people of Israel simply added a little religion to their lives just to keep everything balanced, okay? Like the Godfather going to mass on Sunday morning or going to confessional before returning to his life of crime. Religious systems make it all too easy for the self-centered people in our world to find comfort in familiar rituals without actually experiencing a change of heart or committing to a life of sacrificial love. Have you experienced this? You went to a church hoping to find grace, mercy, and acceptance, only to find a den of robbers hiding out in a religious facade. Check out this special segment done by John Oliver a few years back on televangelists. Now, this is from a 20-minute show that we've broken down to 90 seconds, so check this out. Churches are America's favorite place for redemption and sixth favorite place for chicken. <laughs> Churches are a cornerstone of American life. There are roughly 350,000 congregations in the United States, and many of them do great work, feeding the hungry, clothing the poor. But this is not a story about them. This is about the churches who exploit people's faith for monetary gain. And when I say that, you probably think of 1980s televangelists. They preach something called the prosperity gospel, which argues that wealth is a sign of God's favor and donations will result in wealth coming back to you. Th that idea sometimes takes the form of seed faith, the notion that donations are seeds that you will one day get to harvest. Uh, let me show you that in action. The size of your seed 
will determine the size of your harvest. I don't understand why, but there's something happens at a level where people step into faith and give $1,000 that don't happen at other levels. You're going to have a breakthrough through this $273 seed. All you've got is $1,000. Listen, that's not enough money anyway to buy the house. You're trying to get in the apartment. You're trying to buy the house. That's not enough money anyway. You get to that phone and you put that seed in the ground and watch God work it out. The, the, the argument is, sow your money in the ground and you will reap returns multiple times over. Except, as an investment, you'd be better off burying your money in the actual ground. Because at least that way there is a chance your dog may dig it up and give it back to you one day. Good boy. But... But it can get even more predatory, because if, say, you don't have $1,000 or perhaps have significant credit card debts, Seed Faith can still work for you. I have a feeling that somebody that wants a credit card debt wiped out, that if you'll use your faith as you sow, as you sow the 1000 on a credit card, as you use your faith, as you use your faith, God's going to wipe out your credit card indebtedness. Think about that. That is the equivalent of saying the key to you losing weight lies at the bottom of this giant Costco bulk bag of peanut butter M&Ms. Go find it. It's definitely down there. Just because something is draped in the words Jesus, God, Christian, and Gospel doesn't mean it's Jesus, God, Christian, or Gospel. And I really believe this, that John Oliver is in line with the teachings of Jesus in exposing pastors and leaders who have missed the boat. And I believe that Phil Collins was in line with the teachings of Jesus in exposing some of the televangelists of the 1980s. The lyrics of the Genesis song, Jesus, He Knows Me, uh, says, I believe in family with my ever-loving wife beside me, but she don't know about my girlfriend or the man I met last night. And he goes on to say, won't find me practicing what I'm preaching, won't find me making no sacrifice. God will take good care of you. Just do as I say, don't do as I do. The critique that this song displays is just as apt today as it was in 1985. And the last song that we'll look at today is Another Day in Paradise. Okay, we open the service with this song. I still remember the message of this song and how it affected me as a teenager. Okay, I remember after church on one Wednesday night at youth group, going up to one of my youth leaders, David Hopper, and I, and I went up to him and I said, hey, there's this great song by Phil Collins about helping people and loving people and doing something. We should play it for the youth group. And then he said to me, well, do you have it on CD? And I said, no, I only have it on cassette. And he goes, ah, well, we need it on CD. And then that was that, okay? We never showed it to our youth group. I still remember that moment. And in the song, the narrator is Phil Collins, and he tells the story of a random man on the street who ignores the plights and suffering of a homeless woman, despite the fact that she calls out to him for help. The man deliberately acts as though he can't hear her and crosses the street to avoid the homeless woman and her plight. The lyrics go on to beg everyone to listen, not to ignore the plights of the homeless. And the chorus goes, oh, think twice. It's just another day for you and me in paradise. It addresses the homelessness and the poor. And this is one song that has been just so inspiring for so many people, that they should do something. They should help those who are less 
fortunate than themselves. But this also is a song that Collins received so much criticism because he himself is a multimillionaire. Have you ever felt the tension that comes when you pull up to a stoplight and a homeless person is sitting right next to you with a sign? We too pretend not to see them. We fiddle with the air conditioner or the radio. We don't look at them because to look at them demands a response, demands a reaction. Now, I'm not saying what the right thing to do is, okay, when you see a homeless person. I don't know. I say follow the spirit, okay? The answer is probably different each individual time. But that instinct that we have, that Christians and non-Christians alike, to do something to help others less fortunate, that is a God-given impulse, okay? It is innate to the human experience, okay? The animal kingdom doesn't experience that. To do something, to help. And so on our app and on our website, there's a volunteer tab. And we really do want to encourage you to help us in this season of growth. We want more and more people to fall in love with Jesus. We want this place to be a life-changing place for everyone, not a hideout for the religious, but a place for all. Uh, there's gonna be some booths outside of our 10 a.m. service, and there's also a taco truck and some water slides for kids. And so if you're watching this before our 10 a.m. Pacific time service, uh, feel free to come and join us, or you can sign up to volunteer on our app or our website. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you help Prodigal to be a place that helps those less fortunate than ourselves. And that we would, and the only way for that to happen is for us as individuals to be a people, a person who helps others less fortunate than ourselves. God, I pray that we would be a hospital for the sick, not a country club for the well. God, we need you uh, to move inside of us to be all we can be, God. So help our words to speak truth and to share uh, your love and to show your love. And we love you, God, and we pray a blessing over this week and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen. We wanna thank you so much for joining us at prodigalchurchpresto.com. Next week, we continue our vinyl sermon series, and we're not really letting people know the artist, um, and it's gonna be a surprise, okay? Life is like a box of chocolates, and so is this sermon series. You never know what you're gonna get. Grace and peace in your